thank you for joining the Legion of Writers podcast, episode four with, finally, Kathleen Lopez. Kathleen, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So, I want you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us who you are, kind of where you live, you don't have to be specific, um, and just kind of uh, what genres do you write in? So, are you a writer full time, or do you have a separate job? I am unfortunately not a full time writer. I would love to be, but I uh, do have a full time job outside of this, for you know, in, in the computer realm. You know, as a quality assurance, so I'm always checking other people's stuff. That's my thing. But so, but yeah, I'd love to be a full time writer, but just haven't got that you know that one massive hit that I can start to retire from. So. I got you. Well, now with the uh, whole coronavirus pandemic thing, are you getting a little bit more writing in, or are you still in prep mode? Um, I was able to get some more writing in. I'm able to fit it in in between stuff, but uh, I do a lot of telework anyway, so it's kind of like I just do a lot more of it now since I'm 100% teleworking. But other than that, um, I'm trying to get more work done because I've got uh, got at least two more yeah, a major release and a short story and an anthology. I got all this stuff cooking that's going to come out this year. So I really need to get a little more prolific in my writing. But, you know, it's, it's just finding the time in between all the chaos right now. Yeah, chaos is a good word for it. So let me ask you, <laughs> besides, you know, just like the, the, the law enforcement stuff, the criminal stuff, the thriller stuff that you like to write, like what is it specifically that inspires your writing? Since that has always intrigued you, did you ever think about going into like criminal justice or in that field of work specifically? Not really. I mean, at one point, I did think I was going to be a cop. I did, you know, think that there was that one, you know, in high school. I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a police officer. That'd be cool. But um, I don't know if I have the temperament for it. You know, New York. I'm always 
even now, even, you know, I'll be like driving. It's like, oh, if I had, you know, if I could flip on my sirens right now, I'd pull that guy over. I don't think I have the temperament to be a police officer. That would be, I'd be pulling people over left and right, I think. So it's like, I think I should write about it. I think it's safer for everybody. <laughs> you would be one of those officers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. So let me ask you, how do you do research then? Do you like go to the courthouses? Do you visit uh, forensic scientists? Do you talk to people? What 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 constitutes your research process? Uh, I do a lot of uh, you know, online, yeah, but that only gets you so far. I do have a friend who was a police officer, you know, and I talked to her on occasion. Uh, I had the unfortunate, fortunate um, opportunity to be on uh, jury duty, so I was able to see from that aspect, you know, you know, all the different processes and things like that. So I do try to talk to people because there's only so much the internet's going to give you. You're not going to get that, you know, real life, you know. Like, yeah, it says that in the book, but in real life it's like this kind of situational information. So I try to, I try to do have, you know, meeting greets and go to, you know, uh, any kind of, you know, things at the library or any kind of talks where they talk, you know, to forensic people or things like that. Okay. So, um, have you been, besides jury duty, have you sat through a trial or anything like that to actually experience what it feels like? Yeah, I did once a long time ago. Um, and this was, I want to say back like, like college kind of thing. So I did get the procedural steps. I did kind of listen to how the judge and the lawyers were interact and how they objected and things like that. So I did get like a very, you know, you know, high level view of it without really going too far into depth into all the you know, minutia of a trial. But I did understand the, the pop and circumstance and the procedural part of it. Okay. All right. So, um, in your stories, then the stuff that you write, um, do your characters, your, do your main protagonists survive? Do they overcome? Do they su- submit themselves in the end? For the most part, they survive. Um, there's always drama and, you know, there's always something they have to overcome. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, they, they, they come out, you know, I wouldn't say unscathed, but they come out, you know, okay relatively in the end. Ah, okay. So your survivors survive pretty much okay. Pretty much. Okay, so do any of those continue into another story? Yes, I do have one character, which I lovingly refer to as my poor bastard. Um, Basically, my my character, he, he appears in the first book. He's the focus of my second book, and he makes a cameo in my third and he's decided to resurface in my fifth book that's coming out this year. So he, it's kind of a character thread kind of thing. He kind of bounces around, and, you know, so he's not... It's like, you know, he, he, I introduced him initially in the first book as a, as a page-turner just to get through, the, actually, the court case uh, that was happening. And there was something about him that intrigued me about him because I was like, okay, he was just going to be a throwaway character, but... No, there's something to him, you know, the way he acts and things like that. So I made him a whole the focus of the whole second book. So that I just kind of like, you know, invested a little bit more time in his character. And then, like I said, he just now kind of randomly pops up every now and then whenever he feels like it. Okay, so let me ask you this. 
with a character like that, do you think that's helpful for you as a writer to have a constant pretty much in all of your stories that you can kind of refer back to or even help inspire you to continue on? Or is it a detriment to have that little guy niggling in the back of your head? Well, um, it could be seen as both, really. I mean, because there's something constant. There's a familiarity. You, know, you can go back to this guy. You know him. You know, it's easy to write for him. Um, but he is a bit of a nuisance. I had not planned on making him this, you know, character thread throughout my stories. He, like I said, it was Cameo on the first, second was the focus, and I was about, I want to say four chapters in of my third book when I realized that, you know, this could be the you know, family he was referring to and things like that. So I was like, so four chapters in my third book, I had to rewrite my book that I had thus far because I had to fit him in because he wouldn't shut up. So he became a little bit of a nuisance to me. So I had to rework just to get him in there to shut him up. And uh, so now, like I said, he took a break and now he's back. So he, he, it's comforting because I know him as a character, but you know, he can be a bit of a bit of a nuisance. You mean he's a little bit of a pain in the ass? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I love characters like that, though. It's like they just keep on, keep on, keep on until you give them a voice. Once you give them a voice, you can put them away for a little while. But then the voice yeah. rises again. Okay. All right. So you stick pretty much in the thriller genre. So you said you were working on an anthology. I know we're working on that together. So do you think that the theme of that anthology, Cabin Fever, is appropriate right now? <laughs> oh, it is oddly appropriate. Um, I think it'll do gangbusters now. Just, you know, we have unintentional marketing going on. Um, but what's funny, though, is with your anthologies that, um, that I've worked with you, even the previous one, from the heart, like I said, I write thriller, murder mystery, paranormal. That was a romance. That was a complete left turn for me. And I'm like, oh, let me give this a spin. And what's funny enough, it was, again, my pain-in-the-ass character. Um, <laughs> story in between books two and three, you know, it's like, you know, this is what happens when he's not solving crime kind of thing. So it was an interesting, you know, look again more into his life. And uh, this next anthology with you is a little bit, it's, it's still in the realm of creepy, but um, it's actually mild horror, which is something I haven't really done either, but, um, and I hadn't planned on it, but it materialized as I was writing the story, which was an interesting, uh, interesting change for me. <laughs> I, I, personally, I love horror. I love to watch horror. Horror is not as easy to write, however, especially if you tend to imagine as you write. Do you do that? Do you imagine as you write? Do you yeah, creep so yourself my, out? My characters, yeah, my characters will tell me the story. Yeah, as I'm writing, I have it all plotted out. I have it worked out. Like, this is going to happen by this chapter, by this time. And then the little voice in the back of my head is like, you know, I don't think I'd say that. What if I did this? And they just take over the story and I'm just recording the events. You know, I become a transcriber at that point opposed to a creator. Well, I found that when I do that, I don't write anywhere near fast enough for my brain to keep up. It wouldn't it be great if you could just like connect a little wire to your head and just let all of that come out. Oh, and just... I, I would be publishing every other month. I know. It would be great. I don't <laughs> type fast enough. I do not type fast enough, which is why I'm always dictating notes. Um, so 
talking about stuff like that, the, the, the little bits of things that, that can inspire you, do you find yourself putting pen to paper? Do you uh, give yourself a dictation? How is it that you write like you're in the middle of something and all of a sudden an idea pops in your head? What do you do? Well, if I'm near a computer, I open up something and take notes, even like the, the program, the post-it note program on my computer. Um, if I'm out somewhere, I'll grab a scrap of paper, a napkin, you know, envelope, you know, back of the receipt, you know, I'll write because there's a sentence or a phrase or some turn of a word that you're like, oh, I've got to figure out how to get that in there. I like it. Um, I, I, I binge watch a lot of like forensic files and things like that, all these, you know, those kind of shows and. It scares my husband when he wakes up and I'm watching a stream of snapped. But, um, so it's, yeah, I'm just, just taking notes, dear. But, um, it's, there was something in there that they talked about this poison and they went into depth about it. I'm like, so I'm like rewinding, getting all the notes down. Then I'd start off and go figure off research from that. And it wound up in my, uh, in my fourth book, something I got off forensic files. So it's, you know, little things like that. I'll be like, oh, cool. And I'll just like, write it down or, you know, I have notepads, I have post notes and I have a folder sometimes of just random pieces of paper and it's just wherever it happens, I've got to capture it. So That's pretty cool. I do forensic files and ancient aliens. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I know more about the Anunnaki now than I ever thought I would. <laughs> I'm like, why do I even know that? <laughs> But it's, but it's funny, like little things that you watch on TV even. So like I was watching um, Men in Black 3 yesterday. And there was a line in there by a guy who sees realities and time all at the same time. And he says, a miracle is what happens when the impossible becomes possible. And I, I wrote it down and I thought, that is my focus right now. That, that sentence. Because I can use that in all kinds of things. So I love, like you said, just catching little bits of things that, that can kind of, you know, make something work. So let me ask you, if you were to recommend one of your books, what would it be? Would it be The Prodigal Son? Well, I mean, I don't, like I said, my books aren't sequential, but I always tell people to start with the first one. Only because it introduces some idea, you know, like I said, it introduces Schuler, which is my poor bastard. Uh, <laughs> I love that poor bastard. <laughs> you realize bastard. every her. time I see you now, I'm going to say, so how's the poor bastard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needs some love. He, he, he needs some love or some therapy, one or the other. But, um, yeah, I mean, so, because like I said, the first one is kind of introduces me as well, I think. You know, it was my first book. That book started as a homework assignment from college that got wildly out of control and uh, it just manifested into this book over several courses where I workshopped it and uh, so it was just something it's kind of like you know it's kind of like the baby you know thing that kicked off everything so I always kind of recommend you know Between the Shades of Light and Dark as a, a good intro. All right you heard that Between the Shades of Light and Dark so um, I'm going to make sure obviously that all of your contact info is, is a part of this and that we have links to your work. Um, let me ask you, what can you recommend to someone who is not just new to writing, but maybe they're kind of jaded as to whether or not it's something for them, even though the ideas just keep 
free-flowing for them? Uh, just in general or? Just in general. What would you, what would you recommend to them? You mentioned uh, two of my faves, uh, Stephen King and, and Dean Koontz. So, have you read The Stand? I'm guessing you have. Yes, it, a long time ago, and it, it took me quite some time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in Dean Koontz, who? What's your favorite there? Oh, I haven't read Koontz in a while. I have him on my bookshelf, but. What was your first one? Again, we're going back to college. I don't think I remember much of college. <gasps> Are you one of those? <laughs> so I'll I'll mention a few, and you tell me if you've read them. Phantoms. Uh, what was that? Phantoms. Whispers. Yeah. Do you remember Whispers? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. So that kind of that kind of psychological thriller, because that that was a lot of psychological thriller. That seems to be what you enjoy doing. Yes, and I'm unduly influenced, I, I realize, lately of um, uh, Agatha Christie, too, and a lot of, you know, her stuff, and, you know, it's just that, like, I don't know, there's something about the possibility. Of, she always had, like, multiple people that could be the killer, and there's, like, the possibilities are endless kind of, you know, situations where it's like, okay, you know, given any situation, that could have been the outcome. So... All those, like, you know, psychological things and all those, you know, interpretations that, you know, come into play when you're, like, looking at something from the outside, looking in, trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's just very influential. All right. Let's see. Is there anything you would like to say to our, to our audience? Well, um, like I said, I mean, some people have this preconception of murder mystery and, and paranormal, especially... You know, they're like, oh, I don't like, you know, you know, the occult. And I was like, not everything is, you know, what you, you know, imagined it to be. I mean, sometimes you just have to, like, give it a try. You have to look into expanding your, you know, your universe and looking different genres. Uh, I don't write very explicit. I mean, granted, you know, bodies drop in my books every now and then, but <laughs> <laughs> they're not 
you know, morbid, you know, now I've, I've had parents go, oh, can my kid read that? And I'm like, yeah, about 15 and up is, you know, you, you can understand the world around you, then you, you can read my books. And so, yeah, it's, it's the preconception that you have to deal with, like, especially in the paranormal and those kind of, you know, those kind of things. People have this thing like, oh, no, that's, that's you know, that's not, you know, not my genre. It's like, you never know until you read it. So it's just, you know, give everything a try. Don't, you know, don't limit yourself. Just, you know, worst thing it's going to cost you is a few bucks on an ebook. So. There you go. You heard that. Give it a try. Well, I want to just say thank you, Kathleen, for joining me from your uh, quarantine abode, as I am in my <laughs> quarantine abode. Um, and thank goodness for Zoom and all the other electronic wonders that allow us to do this. Um, I will probably want to re-interview you at a future date, if that's okay. I'm going to be at Orlando Reads Books, God willing, it, it occurs in August, at the end of August. And if it does, I'm going to have a little booth set up uh, to do some mini-interviews from there. So I hope to see you there. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Legion of Writers podcast. We will be back soon with many more guests. Peace. <laughs>